0: You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And before we get the Oilers talk going, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. This weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more. With a DraftKings lineup on the line, DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stand under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning into the other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Since the last time we spoke on Tuesday, the Edmonton Oilers only played one game. It was a 4-3 overtime win on Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens that three o'clock start that I'm sure all of you loved. Dominic Cahoon, the overtime winner, a pass from Leon title, making the Edmonton Oilers victorious. Now only one more game on the schedule. That's Saturday when they take on the Vancouver Canucks. It's a nice early one once again. 1.30 puck drop mountain time. If you are looking for some pregame coverage, Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself... We'll have he covered on TSN 1260. That one gets going at noon. And then for the Edmonton Oilers, it's playoff time. They take on the Winnipeg Jets in a best of seven. That gets going next Wednesday in Edmonton. They've also got a game on the Friday, game number two, also in Edmonton, of course. Then back-to-back games in Winnipeg on the Sunday, Monday. And then we're talking hypotheticals here. If necessary, the two teams would meet once again in Edmonton on Wednesday, the 26th. In Winnipeg on Friday the 28th and back in Edmonton for a potential game number 7 on the 30th. And uh if that happens, that'll be a fun one to watch. I don't think it will. I'm on the side that thinks the Edmonton Oilers will find a way to pick up the series victory against the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, Connor McDavid's been unreal against them all year. Uh, that defensive group just has a real hard time keeping up with the Oilers' speed and top-end talent. Now, I will say that I do like the forward group for the Winnipeg Jets. I think they've got some great depth top to bottom, and obviously Connor Hellebuck won the Vesna Award as the league's top goaltender last season, but the Edmonton Oilers have found ways to beat him this year, and I think that continues, but we'll talk about that with our guests on the show today. We're going to bring in Derek Van Dies to Post Media. Of course, he's been covering the Edmonton Oilers for a long time. We'll get his thoughts on the Oilers this year, the greatness of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and we'll take a look ahead to that series between the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. Later on, we will bring in Matthew Awanic of TSN 1260. He's one half of the Dave Jameson Show, which you can hear. Like I said, TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from noon until two. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Awanic, and we'll talk about the Oilers series against the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, we'll talk about the season that's been. And we're also going to talk about Tyson Berry. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys follow Hernan Salas, my good friend, on Twitter. But he threw out a tweet on Wednesday night, and a lot of the analytics community did not like it. And A lot of people around the building here at TSN 1260, we like Tyson Berry to us. He's a guy who's come in and has advertised and done exactly what we thought he was. And maybe it was just us, but we didn't have a lot of hope in his defensive game. It wasn't like we thought he'd come here and you know turn into Chris Pronger of 2006 or Victor Hedman and be a a shutdown defenseman. But he's come in, he's worked pretty well in that first unit power play, and he's leading defenseman in scoring this year. So we'll talk about Tyson Berry why people hate on him, and what the future is with him on the show, all that and more here on the other Connor podcast. But let's start things off, like I said, with Derek Van Deest, the post media. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Derek Van Deest. Derek, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing?
1: Good, thanks. How are you guys
0: doing? Oh, doing really good. And, uh, I mean, I guess I kind of just glazed over the fact that the Oilers do play the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday, and we should probably talk about that a little bit. But uh, one of the topics that I've heard a lot about, especially, you know, working with TSN, a lot of people talking about the fact of, uh, well, should you bench Connor McDavid and Leon Dryas for Saturday's game, give them a little bit of a rest before the playoffs kick off? What do you think about that one, and where do you come out on it?
1: Well, I really do think that's an individual choice. I really think it's tough for a coach to say to his star players, hey, you're not going to play this game. Uh, players want to play every game, and I think when you're at this level, um, really sometimes it's a fine line between being well-rested and being rusty. And I think the players probably know that line uh, better than the coach would. Now, the players want to keep their timing. They want to keep their legs. They want to keep that game shape and game speed. I think they'll probably want to play. Now, whether they'll play 20, 25 minutes like they usually do, probably not. It'll probably be more like the game in Montreal where I think McDavid and Dreisaitl were down about 15 minutes each or something like that, and McDavid didn't even play in the overtime session so I think really it is up to a player. It's up to a player whether he feels he's good enough, I'm good enough coach, and give me those three three days of rest or four days of rest, whatever it would be, and let's work on the playoffs. Or if they say no, I don't want to lose that timing, I don't want to come back in game one and have four days off and not have the felt to pocket felt game action in four days. So I think it's 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 really gonna be up to what Connor McDavid and Leon Dry said a want. Now these guys are aware of the situation. They know that they can't afford to get hurt. They don't want to get hurt in a meaningless game that doesn't mean that basically you're, the, the Canucks are playing out the string. Uh, they're probably not going to play very hard. The Oilers aren't going to play very hard. It's going to be really a glorified game of shinny on Saturday because neither team wants to wants to have anything happen. So I just think it'll really be up to the players. But I do think McDavid and Drysdale will play, but they won't play very much.
0: Well, when you look at what Tyson Barry's done this year, eight goals, 40 assists, uh, leading defenseman in scoring in the NHL, but there still seems to be a, a, well, I don't even know if I'd say majority, minority, a lot of people out there that, you know, are on the side of that he can walk and maybe Evan Bouchard can fill those shoes next year, or maybe a combination of Bouchard and Bear. If it's up to you, are you looking to bring back Tyson Berry, or do you think you can you know, fill his production elsewhere?
1: I think a lot of that is going to have to do with what the situation is with Oscar Kleffbaum. Now, if Oscar Kleffbaum has to retire, then now you have that money to play with, and you have that money to, to maybe try and, and, and entice Tyson Berry to stay here. If Oscar Kleffbaum feels that he can come back next year, then you may not have that money to, to sign Tyson Berry. Because you look at Tyson Berry's season now, and it might be a one-off, but he's going he's gonna to be pretty expensive to, to re-sign. He's going to go out there, and, and, and this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to springboard a good season into free agency so a team out there could look at what Tyson Berry has done and say, wow, we need a power play guy. We need a guy that can put up a lot of points the back end. We're going to pay this guy 7 or $8 million a year, and I think the owners really have to weigh whether they can afford to pay Tyson Berry that kind of money, particularly if Oscar Kleffbaum comes back, particularly if if Bouchard is ready or some of these other younger guys are ready to step into that role. But I do think a lot of it is going to determine on on Oscar Kleffbaum's status. Now, Kleffbaum, when he talked, he had shoulder surgery. He wasn't sure he was ever going to be able to play again. It's tough. He's been he's been living with a chronic bad shoulder for a long, long time. And sometimes you really have to put your health above your career. So I think Ken Holland's going to look at that. He's probably going to talk to various people. He's going to say, listen, if we can't get Oscar Clefball back, we want you back. If we do get Oscar Clefball back, we can't afford to pay you maybe what some other teams that aren't in as big a uh, salary cap crunch can pay you. But I think – Tyson Berry has to look at the situation as well. How, much, how many points can he put up playing with McDavid and Drysaddle? Is that going to happen somewhere else? Probably not. It's probably not going to happen wherever else he goes, and I think teams have to be leery of that as well. You're going to get a Tyson Berry that's uh, he's putting up a huge number of points this year, but a lot of those points are because he's playing with McDavid and Drysaddle on the power play. So if teams are going to basically open the bank to sign him, they're going to have to be cognizant of the fact that they don't have guys like Bryce Elder, McDavid. Barry's not going to put up those kind of points.
0: Now, let's just say worst case scenario: uh, Oscar Clefbaum unable to return to action next year with Tyson Beria Is there a, a number that maybe is too expensive for you, too rich for your taste, whether it is a uh, you know money wise or even uh, amount of years on the contract?
1: Um, well, I think you got to look at at right now what Darnell Nurse's contract is. And you, I don't think you want to pay Tyson Barry too much more than you're paying Darnell Nurse. I, I don't think I think that's something that you have to look at. You have to look at those comparables. Now, Nurse not putting up the type of points that Barry is, but you, you look at Nurse and you probably saying, well, he's probably a more valuable defenseman to the owners than Barry. And Barry is a very good offensive defenseman, but he does have some defensive deficiencies. And I think when you're looking at the Oilers now, you don't want to open the bank for a guy like Barry because you kind of want to make it comparable to a guy like Nurse. And then you got Adam Larson as well. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't go over, I don't know, you throw out a figure right now, 7 or $8 million to sign this guy, and you, and you don't want to open the bank and give him a five-, six-, seven-year deal. Um, I think you really have to be cautious, and you really have to get yourself out of kind of salary cap jail, which is the Oilers are in right now because they gave a lot of – really bad contracts away. They signed a lot of bad contracts and I think that's the situation that the owners don't want to get rid of a bunch of bad contracts the tail end of some bad contracts and start signing some more contracts are going to have some bad tail ends of them to to them as well. So I think they have to find a good compromise there, but I don't think you want to pay them a lot more than you're paying Darnell Nurse right now.
0: Uh, Derek, just one more question regarding uh, potential free agents here, and we'll talk about the current edition of the team and, you know, the playoffs going forward as well. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins obviously entering the final year of a seven-year, $42 million contract that he signed, uh, back in, I don't know, 2013, 2014. Uh, just with what he's been able to do this year, and, and I mean the role, obviously, he's kind of taken a step back with the emergence of Mick David and Dreisaitl. Is he somebody you look to lock up and uh, keep with this organization going forward? And I guess kind of same question. I mean, is, is there a number that's too expensive, you think?
1: Yeah, I think the thing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's been a good soldier through this whole thing. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is coming back, and I, I never did. I, I thought at the very beginning that the Oilers would not sign Ryan Eugene Hopkins because someone is going to come along and offer him more money. Someone's going to offer him $6, $7, 8000000 million a year, and they're going to offer him ridiculous term uh, just because of the things he can do and his, his ability. He's such a good two-way center right now, but he's having a bit of an off-year uh, goal-scoring-wise, five-on-five, but he's still a pretty solid player. Now, can the Oilers afford to, to give him that kind of money and that kind of term? And I think... That was a situation I was always concerned with. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has spent a lot of time here, and he hasn't had a lot of success. He hasn't had a lot of team success. And I think eventually that kind of wears on a player. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of playoff run the owners make this year, because if they're out in the second round, I'm Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I look, and I say, you know what? If someone's going to pay me more money to go play somewhere else where maybe a fresh start will do me wonders and I'll have a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup every year, Uh, to a contending team, maybe I'll take that. And maybe a contending team looks at that and goes, you know what? That's the piece we need. That's the piece we need to win the Stanley Cup. So maybe that's the guy that we bring in uh, to play with us. So I I, I always contended that the owners can't pay Ryan Neeson Hopkins too much money because I don't think he's worth what necessarily he's making now. And I think that's something that you really have to look at that. you got a $6 million player. He's a pretty good player. But he was supposed to be the first overall pick. He was supposed to be a dominant player in this league, and he's never become that dominant player in this league yet. And everyone thought he was going to. He's become a pretty good complementary pall- player. But at $6 million, do you want a complimentary player, or do you want a guy that, that can kind of give you impressive offensive numbers more than just 50 points a year?
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of remember when he came into the league, people talked that Suga's a potential comparable, and you're right, he really hasn't become that type of player. Now, do you think he's overvalued by some members of the media, maybe the fan base in the city?
1: Oh, well, he's overvalued by the fan base. There's, I, to me, there's no doubt about that, and it's just because he's been so loyal. He's a guy that, you know, when a guy sticks around as long as he has, you just become loyal to him. That's That's just natural, especially in today's, Age where teams and players move around so much, and, and there's such big you know change over every year when it comes to uh, to players. And uh, you know you look at Ryan Newton Hopkins and, and his salary. You look back on it and you say, well, did you get your forty two million dollars worth out of Ryan and Hopkins? Uh, and I think that's quite the debate there. Uh, when they sign that that extension and they gave him that kind of money, did you get your money's worth? And I think the owners have to look at that, and I think the fan base has to look at that and say, well. Maybe, maybe not. We're not sure. You're not sure um, when it comes to his stats. Like I said, this guy's a you know perennial 40, 50, 50 point guy. I know he had a, a good season a couple of years ago where he got up to 69 points, but you know he, that was an anomaly. He's, he's more of a 60 point, 50 point guy. So what's that worth? What's that worth? And I think it's always been that way. Yeah, there's a sentimental feeling towards a guy like Ryan Union Hopkins because he's been through the wars here at Indiana, and he's been through so much and when he came on board when he was the first overall pick everyone thought okay this is the start of something big within three or four years you know the Oilers are going to be Stanley Cup contenders going to make the playoffs every year this is the rebuild you know I don't know if it was 2.0 back at the time or, or that was the first <laughs> rebuild it depends how you want to look at it but we're Ten years from the time he played his first NHL season, he's made the playoffs once. So, yeah, it's it's kind of tough to say. But I think the longer player stays in town, the the more sentimental value you have towards him. But hey, this is a business. It's nothing personal. It's a business. And if you think you're going to get more value out of another guy that comes in here, and for that six million or seven million or eight million dollars that you're going to have to pay, Ryan Hops to keep him, then then that's what you got to do. It, it's a business. It's, it's unfortunately that's just the way things are. And, you know, the Oilers have paid him a lot of money over these last 10 years, and they really haven't got a lot in the return, not necessarily from him, but in team-wise in the investment.
0: Uh, Derek, the playoffs get going next Wednesday. Obviously, Game 1, Oilers and Jets, but there is Game 56. They still do have to take care of on a Saturday afternoon against the Vancouver Canucks. How tough do you think it is for a player to go into that game knowing, like, really, it is meaningless?
1: You know, you're asking the Edmonton Oilers about that. They, You know, for years, they've been playing meaningless games since February. <laughs> so, right? so if to play one meaningless game in May, I don't think it'd be that tough. Because you look at the, the history of this team, and, and a lot of times they were out of the playoff race by January. So then they had to play 40-some games still. That really didn't mean anything. So um, I think, like I said, I think this will just be like a game of shinny. They're going to go out there. Don't do anything stupid. Don't try anything stupid. Stay out of fights. Stay out of altercations. Uh, don't try to blow anyone up. Don't don't get anyone's A And it's going to be uh, just. It's going to be kind of an exhibition game where no one wants to get hurt. The Canucks just want the season to be over. They're just trying to run out the string here. They got three games after this, I think, uh, before before their season is over. They just want it to be all done and done for. The Oilers don't want anyone hurt. They may look at some other guys to see where they are insert some guys into the lineup I expect Tourist to play again maybe they'll get some some other guys in there Bouchard might play but I, I do think that it's going to be a no-hitter it's going to be nice and quiet and calm it's going to be an afternoon game so you'll get the game out of the way and then you can enjoy your Saturday night and start thinking about the playoffs on Wednesday
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly as soon as that game wraps up Capitals and Bruins game one of their playoff series so if you're a little bored by that game you'll ha- immediately have a fun one to watch uh, Oilers fared pretty well against the Winnipeg Jets this season. Uh, what do you think about this series for the Oilers going into it?
1: Now, my actually biggest concern going into the series is how how many people and how many fans are kind of overlooking this series. Mm-hmm. They're overlooking this series already, looking forward to Toronto Edmonton, and I think that's really dangerous to do, considering the Oilers have only won one playoff series in since 2006. So, yeah, I wouldn't be looking past. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, if I were the Edmonton owners, I know they're not. I don't think they're fan-based here either. And to me, regular season doesn't mean anything. Uh, you look back at when the owners went to the cup final in 2006, they were in eighth seed. So they weren't expected to go where they are. Playoff hockey is a different animal. And playoff hockey can, can change in a heartbeat. And you look at the Winnipeg Jets, and I've always liked this team and I don't know why they can't get it together. I looked at Winnipeg this year with with the Oilers, and and their back end, their defense really struggles with the Oilers' speed. And I think that's something that they're going to have to try and contend with, and they're going to have to uh, maybe back off a little bit when it comes to trading chances with the Oilers, because they don't want to do that. And Winnipeg's kind of an interesting team, because they have a a lot of high-end guys up front. I, I think they have maybe the most balanced, Three lines in hockey, I think that between there's not a lot of difference between their first line and their third line. They can really roll those lines, and they can give you a lot of trouble. But they don't have the back end to back that up. So they don't have defensemen that can really kind of move up and keep pucks in the zone and pinch because they know if they get caught, they're in trouble coming back the other way. And that's we've seen that time and time again with the Winnipeg Jets, they have trouble sustaining pressure in the zone because the defensemen just, they can't step up because they, they won't get back, and that's why I think the Oilers give them so much trouble because they can't handle the speed of, of McDavid and Drysaddle and, and Nugent Hopkins and those guys. They really, really struggle, but saying that, they have one of the best goaltenders in the world, and if he gets hot, a goalie can win you a series on his own, and I think that's one thing that the Oilers really have to be concerned with, with Conor You know, he's, a, he's the real deal, I and mean, he hasn't had a great season. But if he gets hot at the right time, and let's say they get the Jets get outstanding goaltending, and the Oilers only get average goaltending, that can change the entire complexion of a series. And to me, history goes out the window. I don't care that the Oilers have won every; they beaten Winnipeg every every series on the way to a Stanley Cup. I don't care that they beat them in the in the in the regular season. Right now, it's, it's a different animal. It's a different ballgame. And when you look at playoff experience, Winnipeg has it, and the Oilers don't. And I think that's going to play into it as well.
0: So, you know, just just going with the goaltending, and, yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you. I've got that that feeling in the back of my mind that, you know, if Connor Halbach gets on a bit of a run, that's a guy who could seal a couple of games. But this year, Mike Smith has probably been the better goaltender. Who do you think is the advantage between the pipes in this series?
1: Well, it's it's interesting because Mike Smith's been there too. Mike Smith is a playoff performer, and he's shown it in the past. He did it with Calgary a couple of years ago. He had that great series with Calgary, even though Calgary was out. And he he did it with Arizona a few times. He's a competitor, and he's at the top of his game right now. And everyone talks about doing. thirty nine. He's doing it at thirty nine. You know. <laughs> I don't think 39 is that old for a goalie. I really don't. And I remember Dwayne Rolson came in here. He was 34, 35, 36, 37. He was getting the job done as well. And I think Mike Smith, it's really important for him to play really well, but he doesn't have to steal this series for the owners. The owners just need adequate goaltending. They need him to make a big save when he has to, and I think they haven't had that in a while. So that's all he needs to do. Conversely, Connor Halbach has to stand on his head for the Jets to have a chance to win a series. If he's just average, the Jets don't have a, have a stand, stand a chance. But he is capable of standing on his head. We've seen it before. He is capable of doing that, and he has to do it more so now with this Jets defense because I'm not a big fan of the Jets defense. I think that's their biggest weakness right now. So it's interesting goal One guy doesn't have to be outstanding, and the other guy does. And it's going to be interesting uh, whether Hallibank is does stand on his head and whether or not Mike Smith can just keep playing the way he's playing. He doesn't have to be lights out. He just has to be playing, keep playing well, keep making some big saves for the team, and keep giving the orders that confidence. They're really confident when they play uh, in front of Mike Smith as opposed to Miko Koskin. I guess Miko Koskin doesn't have any confidence in himself. And the orders don't have any confidence in him right now, but you can see it, it's a completely different team in front of Mike Smith than they are in front of Miko Koski.
0: So there will be back-to-back games, three and four in Winnipeg, will be on back-to-back nights. Uh, any chance you think Miko Koski then gets a start there?
1: No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> i, I I'd be, you know what? I'd be surprised if Miko Koski a place for the orders again. To be, to be honest with you. They, I don't think the Oilers are going to come back with Nico next year. I really don't. I think they're going to try and move him. They're going to try and find some other option. They'll probably come back with Mike Smith and someone else. And the problem is, is that in the playoffs, sometimes you do need two goalies. Sometimes you need three. You look at the playoff teams last year, a couple of teams went to their third goaltender because it is a struggle. But the Oilers will play Mike Smith every game in this series unless something – goes off the rails, unless he gets hurt or unless he gets blown out or unless something happens. Um, Miko Koskinen is break glass for emergency use only, and that that is going to be the situation even in back-to-back games. It's, it's going to be Mike Smith series. They're going to go with him. He's proven all year that he's the number one guy. And you've got to go with the guy that got you there. And Mike Smith is the guy that got you there. Mikko Koskinen, uh, unless Smith gets hurt or unless it's a blowout or something and he plays garbage time, I really don't see a lot of Mikko Koskinen in this series.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably music to a lot of Oilers fans. ears. A lot of the things you just said. And uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, Gregor asked me that on the show today. I was like, nope, uh, Mike Smith, I don't care. He's, he's going in there. He got you there. And that's the guy you have to ride with. Uh, Derek, really appreciate this. Just a couple more questions for you. And uh, one of my favorite things about the playoffs, uh, it can kind of take an average player and put him on the big stage and kind of become a star. I think we always remember Fernando Pisani with the Edmonton Oilers back on that run in 2006. Do you think there's any players on the Oilers roster right now that you think could be primed for a breakout playoff year?
1: Yeah, there's always one guy, isn't there? There's always one guy that kind of stands out and punches above his weight. And, and to me, that guy might be Josh Archibald. And then to me, Josh Archibald... Has all the intangibles that Fernando Pisani had when he went on his great run. Josh Archibald, to me, I'm a big Josh Archibald fan. I think this is a guy. He's a good skater. He's a smart hockey player. And I think if he was a better finisher, uh, he'd be he'd be a real talent for the owners. He'd be a real find for the owners. But sometimes you just need you know lightning in a bottle. And I think this is a guy that it's you can sense it's bottled up in there. And this is a guy that if he gets out and he gets on a run, and if he gets that puck lock and he gets some of those bounces, I think he could be really, really effective for the Edmonton Oilers. They really like this player. I really like this guy, this is a guy that can play up and down the lineup. This is a guy that they're not afraid to put on Conor McDavid's wing. Conor McDavid likes playing with him because he's a smart guy. He's a good skater. He can play in all different situations for you. Uh, to me, that's the guy that is just, ready to break out and have a Fernando Pisani type playoffs where, where he kind of comes out of nowhere and he'll get you the eight, the nine, the 10 goals. And, and and I know around here, a lot of people know about George Archibald. They watch him play and they're like, you know what, there's a good player there. But I'm pretty sure he, around the league, he's kind of unknown. And if he does have that breakout, people will be like, who's this George Ar- Archibald guy? Where did he come from? But I think he's a really, really talented player. I think he's a guy that I think, can have a big playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers.
0: So final question for you here. What would you say is the biggest factor or key to success for the Edmonton Oilers in this series against the Jets? And do you have a prediction?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest factor right now is going to be um, just how, how the Oilers get some secondary scoring. Cause the, the Jets are going to concentrate all their efforts on trying to shut down McDavid and dry settle. And often in the playoffs, you see the top two lines kind of cancel each other out. You see it all the time. Top two lines cancel each other out, and it depends on the type of production you get from your third and fourth line and whether they can chip in. Now, can James Neal chip in? Can Alex on chip in? Can, can you know, Junjara chip in with a few goals? Dominic Cahoon. We just talked about Dom Archibald. I think that's going to be the key to this series. If, if the top two lines even out, which I don't think they will, I think the, the McDavid line is still going to obviously get their points, and they're going to, Win that, get the the upper hand. Um, but I think uh, the 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 depth of the Oilers' run this year is going to be on that supporting cast. Is going to be on that third and fourth line, and they have some pretty good guys on that cast. Necessarily haven't had some good years, but you know Chase is a guy that that's been you know, he can score, and, and obviously Neil has proven what he can do in the playoffs before. And so I think that's going to be a big key here: is, is what kind of production are you going to get from those guys? Because McDavid and Drysell are going to get their points, uh, but it's going to be up to the other guys to to basically push this team along.
0: Great stuff, Derek. I really appreciate you doing this today, and we'll have to get you on again uh, maybe in the second round if the Oilers can find a way to get there.
1: Sounds good, Connor. I enjoyed my time. Thanks for having me on.
0: Great stuff from Derek Van Dees to Post Media covering the Edmonton Oilers. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well. At Derek Van Deest, and uh, I think a lot of Oilers fans out there might be happy hearing what he had to say about Miko Koskinen. If you don't, though, let him know on Twitter. Let me know on Twitter. We love the feedback and love your opinion. And who do you think the Edmonton Oilers should look at potentially next season if Miko Koskinen is gone and Mike Smith comes back for one more year? You've got an 82 game schedule. Maybe you want a little less games played for Mike Smith. Who do you think would be a good backup goalie for the Edmonton Oilers? Is it in the system already? Is it out there in free agency? Should the Oilers look to acquire someone via trade? Uh Let Derek and myself know on Twitter, at Derek DerekVanDiest, at Connor Halley. Right now, though, let's keep that Oilers talk going. Let's bring in Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260. He is one half of the Dave Jameson Show, which you can hear on TSN 1260, like I said, Monday through Friday from noon till 2 p.m. You can also give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Matthew Awanek. Maddie, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Oh,
2: I'm doing great, Connor. Just, uh, We have one more meaningless hockey game to go, and then we can get to do some playoffs.
0: Do you care about Saturday's game? Like, is that something you're going to watch at all?
2: Not a chance. Not a chance. There's just, I think it's supposed to be like 20 degrees outside, sunny. Yeah, I'm good. Like, the only thing that, could come out of that game is bad things, whether it be an injury or something like that. There's nothing of value that's going to come from that game outside of... Actually, I guess the only thing is, what does McDavid finish with? We finally figure out what is 56 games, his total points, but there's no chance of watching that hockey game.
0: Yeah, 21 above, sunny, yeah. There's lots of other things to do in the city, getting outside. And you know what my favorite thing about this game is? like, No matter what happens on Monday... We're barely going to talk about it. Like, it's going to be looking ahead to that game against the Jets on Wednesday, and, you know, it's not that big of a deal if we miss it.
2: If we're talking about it on Monday, it's because something terrible went wrong on Sunday, Saturday. That's the only way where I think we're going to be talking about. It outside of that, I think we're just completely looking ahead to Winnipeg on Wednesday.
0: Oh, I cannot wait for that. Of course, the first round of the playoffs against the Jets, like you said, on a Wednesday. But Matt, before we get into that, it's kind of been the hot topic the last couple of days here around the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, maybe Darnell Nurse even. Do you play them in the last couple of games obviously they played against the Montreal Canadiens were important when it came to those victories but this game against the Canucks on Saturday is there any thought in your mind that we really don't need to have our star players in this one
2: If I'm Dave Tippett there's no chance those three guys are seeing the ice on Saturday not a chance at all as I just said Nothing good can come out of that game. The only thing that can happen is bad. And I don't care that Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and Darnell Nurse want to play. They're going to want to play. They're players. They're some of the most competitive people on the planet. They absolutely are going to want to play. So as Dave Tippett, though, is the coach of the team, he's got to look at big picture for the others. And that's playoffs now. And that's, you know, making sure everyone's there and healthy. You know, I look at it and go, we've seen Connor McDavid what happens in meaningless hockey games. It's not meaningless to him. He's going to play as hard as Connor McDavid can, and we saw that affect him with an injury in Game 82 a couple years ago. And then he, you know, we talked about his big comeback last year, coming back from surgery and all that. That all happened because of a meaningless hockey game. And the Vancouver Canucks, you know, they're a team that maybe has some players that are trying to, you know, show to the Jim Benning and, and the the staff there and the brass that you know that they want to keep their spot there for next year. That only bad things can happen from it. And you know, when you're a player going to go play, you can't think about injuries. You can't play thinking about not being injured. So take it out of their hands. Take it out of Leon and Connors and the Darnell Nurse's hands. Have them sit in the press box. And the only argument I've heard that makes sense, you know, for for the side to play them is to make sure they're ready for the playoffs. I'm going to put Darnell Nurse a little to the side here, but Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are some of the most talented players in the entire hockey world, not just on the Oilers, in the entire hockey world. They are good enough. That if they missed one game on Saturday, there will be no hiccups come Wednesday when they take on the Jets. We saw Connor McDavid come back from a clavicle injury, and he was brilliant in that first game back. We've seen both of these two guys, and this whole team in general, have long pauses just this season. And they've come back, and they've been just fine. So one game isn't going to all of a sudden derail the flow or up or get them out of the rhythm. They're great players, and they would overcome one day off. So if I'm Dave Tippett, there's no chance in heck I'm putting those important pieces on the ice on Saturday in a game that means absolutely nothing. Only bad things can happen on Saturday. Nothing good when it comes to um, it, ha- it affecting the playoffs.
0: Is there anyone else? Like we mentioned McDavid, Dry so I kind of threw Darnell Nurse in there, but Tyson Berry, anyone else you would consider... Saying, hey, we don't need you. Be ready for Wednesday.
2: Yeah, I and mean, like you can't rest everyone, right? And that's that's the difficult part. I, I, you know, Darnell Nurse is the number one defenseman. He's more important than Tyson Berry to me. I don't think there's really anyone necessarily uh, defensively I, I would think about that uh, forward group. It, it's it's Connor and Leon that are driving this thing, and I think the team is pretty good without you know if they have some sort of injuries in other spots. I don't think it impacts them as much in the playoffs. Maybe a Nugent Hopkins, um, and then Mike Smith. Um, you know, he he did play. Um, yesterday against Montreal, so maybe you don't have him because he's a 39-year-old. The only problem I have with not playing Mike Smith is for him and as goalies, like goalies, they need that constant play, is going from Wednesday through to Wednesday a full week off going to impact him in a negative way. That's the only one. Maybe he only gets 20 minutes. Maybe he gets 40 minutes. Maybe play treated treat it like a preseason game. But he'd maybe be the only other guy I would maybe contemplate not playing as much. Um, but I think mostly it'd be those three that I won't play because at some point you do actually have to field uh, a lineup. And I, I just, to so another prior point quickly, um, in 06, if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to go back and check. I think the Oilers clinched before game 82. And in game 82 that year, they rested quite a few of their players. Like, this isn't something that has never happened in hockey before. This isn't something that has never happened with the Oilers organization before. Um, it is something that has been done in hockey. So, um, for if it were to happen, which I'm not expecting it to happen on Saturday, um, you know, it's not uh, the first time for, you know, in hockey that this has occurred.
0: Well, Matt, you know, the beauty of technology, we can go back and look. And, yes, they cl- they clinched after a victory against the Anaheim Ducks on April 13th. I was actually at that game. I went to, jeez, really dating myself here, Wooly Bullies. We, we watched, I think, the Canucks beat somebody, which clinched the playoff spot for the Oilers. So, yes, they, they did clinch it on game 81, and I'm just going to look here very quickly. The, net, the final game was against the Avalanche. They won. Just looking at the Oilers roster. I, like I wonder
2: if like I don't think Hemsky was in the lineup. I'm wondering what Ryan Smith. I don't know about Chris Pronger if he would have played in that one. Or Dwayne rollison
0: No, so Conklin got the start. Okay, so Goalie uh, got the rest. Yeah, there's no Smitty, no Hemsky. Uh doesn't look like Horkov played. Makes sense. Uh like I could give you the full roster. Dvorak Green, Harvey, J F. Jock, LaRoc, Rem Murray, Pekka Pisani, Pouliot, Samsonov, Jason Smith. Spacek, Stales, Stoll, Tarnstrom, Rafi Torres, Ulanov, and Winchester.
2: Okay, so I'm going to ask three names, because you went through that pretty quick. <laughs> I didn't hear Chris Pronger. Nope. Uh, I didn't hear Jason Smith.
0: Jason Smith played, yep.
2: Okay, Jason Smith was in there. And Michael Pekka?
0: Pekka played. Okay. So, but okay, Smith so and Parker Horkov. Was out.
2: You had Horkov out. You had Ryan Smith out. You had Alex Hemskill. You had Dwayne Rolison out. Those are five key players of the Edmonton Oilers in 06 that didn't play in that last game. And so, you know, if you relate that this year, that'd be somewhat Mike Smith. There's Darnell Nurse. There's uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, and Leon Draisaitl.
0: I mean, so if the Oilers want to go to the playoffs or to the Stanley Cup Finals, they got to arrest these guys.
2: Well, they did. We've
0: seen it before.
2: <laughs> well... They might lose in Game Seven, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they want. to So maybe they have to risk one more guy, or risk one less, or have one more guy skate. But yeah, I know it's like it, it. I know it's it's against hockey that hockey is. You play, you battle through things. Um, but when it doesn't matter, why risk something? Because again. Only a bad thing can happen. Nothing good can come out of it that will impact the playoffs on Wednesday. Only bad things can happen that will impact the game on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, and like even just looking through the the time on ice here, Mike Pekka played 13 minutes, Samsonov played 14. It was almost like they just rolled the four lines and were like, we're not going to put you out there too much, but go out there for a leisurely skate. And I also wonder, like, what's Vancouver thinking in this last game that they're playing? I know they play Thursday night against the Flames, and uh that's going to be probably a, a snooze game to watch because uh, it hasn't happened yet as you and I talk, but. I mean, for them, they might have a few players out there that might be running around because they want to maybe send a message to the coaching staff, the management group, like, hey, bring me back next year. So I I get what you're saying.
2: And it's, it's a team that maybe they're angry a little bit that McDavid got 100 against them. You know, and he racked up a lot of points, but he got the four-point night, and he got that 100th point against them. So maybe they're going, you embarrassed us or something. We're going to check you hard. I'm, I'm not going to say that the Canucks are going to come and try to hurt Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl. I don't believe that to be the case. But I could see them, you know, going, we're going, to, we're going to focus on you even harder. We're going to try checking you. You're by the boards. We're going to try to make sure we finish our check on you. And whatever happens, happens. And that's just something I wouldn't want to risk if I'm the head coach of the Amateur Oilers and Dave Tippett. Again, I know the players want to play. I get that, and that's cool, but you have to take the decisions out of the player's hand because that's what your job is as coach. I will go to worst-case scenario on this, and, and it's a little bit of a different situation, but you know, I guarantee you in football, Washington football team, RG3 wanted to play in that playoff game many years ago. Mike Shanahan should have taken him out. He didn't. He let RG3 play, and RG3's career went away. That's why the coach has to take the player's thoughts and put it aside and do what's best for the team, not just this season, but long-term and everything like that. And Dave Tippett, I think, you know, if something bad happens on Saturday, and I'm not hoping that it happens, knock on wood, then nothing does happen, but you'd only have yourself to blame if you played these guys.
0: I didn't think you could work in a Robert Griffin the 3rd uh reference here but yeah that FedEx Field turf was not good and yeah, he should not have been playing. Stupid Shanahan also made those Bronco teams pretty good, which is a little uh, frustrating for the Charger fan in me, but uh, we can move on here. So let's just say on the other side, like we talk about the star players that won't get into the lineup or potentially won't get into the lineup on a Saturday when the Oilers take on the Canucks wrapping up their season, but there are some guys who maybe it could help. And, you know, I look at McLeod as a guy who... Increased minutes could be a confidence boost going into the the playoffs and see what he can do there. Maybe James Neal getting a few more minutes could help him out. Like there could be some positives to your star player sitting this one out and you just kind of spread the loving and, and get some other guys some more ice time.
2: Yes, and like you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs where injuries could occur. And you know, and, and I know I'm talking about you know Saturday potential injuries, but during the playoffs, there's a chance that some Oilers going to get hurt and you're going to ask players to play up in the lineup. And I'll go back to the Oilers of 16 17. We saw Andre Sakura get hurt for the entire playoffs, and Matt Benning had to step up. And Matt Benning did step up, and he played really well in that playoffs. But if you take out, let's say, Darnell Nurse out of the lineup, well, all the defensemen have to, you know, come up a a spot in their lineup and play a little bit out of position in in the sense of, you know, in the order of the defense. And, you know, maybe you give some guys some time on the power play. Different guys are getting a chance on the penalty kill. Or you're going up against some of the better players of the Vancouver Canucks. And to your point one maybe gives them that confidence too it just lets them get that feel of what it's like if they have to play in that situation because come playoff time we know it's more physical we know it's, it's difficult and we know that it's hard you know it's one of the reasons people say the stanley cup's the hardest professional trophy to win because it's a long grind And if there is some sort of injury, hey, maybe that player got that chance in this last game and they have that little bit of confidence they can draw on as they have to go into that position come playoff time. So, you know, in that sense, it it could give some of the bottom six forwards or a couple of defensemen just an added boost in knowing that, hey, I could possibly do this. And even if they have a bad night, well, or afternoon, I should say, they know that that's not what they're playing come Wednesday. So mentally, I don't even think it would hurt them in that regard. I think they would know that, you know, it was just one of those meaningless games. But, you know, so in that sense, almost it's a win-win situation for some of those different players who get to play in a different spot that they're normally not used to at this point in the year. Uh,
0: Matty, our colleague Hernan Salas was having a little bit of fun on uh, Twitter last night with, I want to say, the Oilers analytics community, (laughs) showing that he is a supporter of Tyson Berry. and, you know. I I I had some fun following along, seeing all the the flack that he took from that tweet. And just looking at Tyson Berry, I mean, when he was signed in the offseason, it was a one-year deal. And I feel like if you had asked you know, people, what do they expect from this guy? Like, well, he should probably be top five in defensive points. He should, to the best of his ability, fill the role of Oscar Kleffbaum on that top unit power play and, and at least keep it respectable, which he's done both of those things. Nobody thought he was going to come in here and be the second coming of Chris Pronger or, you know, a Victor Hedman, a shutdown defenseman. That's just not his game. So when I see people critique his defensive ability, I I kind of ask myself, well, what do they expect from this guy? Like, are you just trying to find reasons to be negative? And and then I just decide to close Twitter at that point. But where do you come out on Tyson Berry and, I mean, the haters, the stats community, all of that?
2: Um, that's one of those situations where I'm not trying to rip on analytics. I'm not trying to rip on numbers, but looking at just numbers doesn't tell you the whole picture because I think you've already worded it so well. No one was expecting Tyson Berry to come in and be this great defensive guy for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, we saw what he can do when you're expecting him to be a great defensive guy when he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs and it was very poor. You know, he wasn't good. That's the reason that, you know, Mike Babcock and Sheldon Keefe weren't fans of his, and, and he, he didn't get the great minutes, and then things just didn't go well. Everyone was hoping, or anyone that was so when that signing happened, was thinking about his time in Colorado, which was he's a good offensive threat. And is his defensive play absolutely atrocious? I'm going to say no, but is it great? Absolutely not. It's It's... It's fine, I would put it as, his play in his defensive zone, but you can handle fine because of the offensive production that he's giving you. And one right there, that's what the Oilers were expecting when they signed Tyson Berry. And if you're expecting anything different, you then don't know who Tyson Berry is when he signed with the Edmonton Oilers. And... I think you also have to look at just the rest of the team. One, we fully didn't know Darnell Nurse was going to turn into this this year, but he's a, a great defender. He's a true number one right now, uh, in hockey. You, you have some of these other shutdown guys, whatever, you know, whether it be Kulikov now or you got Chris Russell, you have Adam Larson, even Ethan Bear. They, they play that role pretty well. And you don't have to have six guys that are all unbelievably perfect defensively and the greatest shutdown defenseman in their own zone. You need some guys to contribute offensively. And when you're going to have a guy like Tyson Berry, who's going to be the best in all of hockey, which includes some really good defensemen offensively, he's going to be the best out of all of them, I can live with a little bit of a poor defensive play because of the offensive play he's giving you. You know, if you average out how many goals he lets in probably from poor defensive play, but also the amount of goals he contributes on, I'm going to say the Oilers are coming out on ahead. So that's just sometimes where I think people only want to look at numbers and they don't want to look at the context. And so for Tyson Berry, he's done his job for what the Edmonton Oilers signed him for. He came in, he helped that number one power play stay the number one power play. He's contributed offensively and he's been fine defensively. And if you were expecting anything else, then you're just looking only at numbers and you're not following what's going on in hockey or watching these players
0: play. We once talked about on, uh, with Gregor about how there's, there's tends to be kind of a whipping boy for Oilers fans and. Mm-hmm. You know, someone texted in saying, you know, like people used to chirp Paul Coffey back in the day. He's putting up 125 points in a season, but people still want to critique his defensive game. And I just don't get it. Like, especially for Tyson Barry. we knew what he was. He, uh-huh. he came to Edmonton and, and he's been exactly the player he has been, you know, maybe with the exception of the one year in Toronto or the first half of the year when clearly Mike Babcock wasn't working with them and, I, I honestly, I, I just don't get it. I'm like, it, it's not that bad. And if people want to say they don't want to re-sign him because it's going to be too expensive and he's looking for a long-term, so be it. I, I can agree with that and say I understand where there might be some some worry about that one. But I, I hear people saying, like, Evan Bouchard can fill in that production. Evan Bouchard in his first pro season is going to go out there and uh, lead the league in points. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I just don't see it happening.
2: Well, that's one, that's just putting too much expectation on Evan Bouchard. You know, we've talked about in this town how this Oilers team needs to slowly develop their prospects. And look, you could say that having Tyson Berry is going to hurt the development of the Evan Bouchard, um, because he's not getting into the lineup. That's fine. I'll accept that criticism. But then to also say that he'll just immediately replace Tyson Berry. Now you've put in this massive expectation on Evan Bouchard that he's probably not going to live up to right away. And that's the problem I think sometimes people have, you know. Um, If Tyson Berry wasn't putting up points this year, then yeah, we're all going to look at that as an abject failure because that's what he was brought here for. But if you're going to look at his defensive play, it's you're right, people do look for the whipping boy or something. It doesn't make sense. I don't care that he has a whole bunch of second assists. Well, you need a second assist to get a first or primary assist before you get the goal it's still very much important to the game. It's not like all of a sudden the play started only at the primary assist. So even the people that want to critique secondary assists, well, if we don't care about secondary assists, why are we warning assists for them? They're apparently an important part of the play because we're giving a point for them anyway. So uh, it just seems like sometimes people just want to complain. They don't want to be happy. They don't want to enjoy what's going on. Uh, And they want to rip on Tyson Berry for I don't know what. And, you know, when it comes to Toronto, the reason he wasn't good was because the coaches tried making him a defensive defenseman and not let him, you know, run wild and be the offensive guy. And you saw the result of that. Now, to your point, Contract, term, all of that, that's a different conversation. And, you know, I feel like he's getting, well, Drager even mentioned it today, that he's going to go to the market, and I don't know if the others will be able to outbid other people. I don't know if the others will be able to sign him and if they will be right. And if if Tyson Berry goes, the others have a natural replacement in Evan Boucher, which is fine. Um, But to just say you don't want him because he hasn't been good, and Connor McDavid would have done better this year without Tyson Berry, I, I don't get it i i truly just don't get that and you know it's some people they just can't have good nice things i guess
0: <laughs> oh i just want to say live in the moment be happy you have the leading uh you know point getter when it comes to forwards and defense right. i think that's pretty unique you should enjoy it we got a guy on this team that can make that outlet pass and and that's what a lot of the times becomes that second assist because you're getting it up to McDavid. You're getting it up to Dry Settle and they're doing the correct things. You finally have that. We don't have to rip on it. And you know what? I, I think a lot of it also depends on Oscar Clefbaum. I talked to that with, uh, or talked about Oscar Clefbaum with Derek Van Dista earlier on in the podcast. And that was kind of the thing. I mean, if he comes back, yeah, maybe you can let Tyson Berry go with no worries and hope he gets back and he's ready to go. But at the same time, like even if Oscar Clefbaum comes back, are we not going to be a little bit cautious with him that maybe there's some long-term effects from the surgery? Because it was pretty serious.
1: Yeah, no,
2: I, I don't think you'd be like, outside of the playoffs, um, if Oscar Kleffbaum comes back and plays for the others, you're looking at like 18 months between you know NHL hockey games for Oscar Kleffbaum. It's a long time to not play consistently in the NHL and to come back and, uh, from the injury. But I think that's where the Darnell Nurse emergence this year helps. Because Oscar Clapham before this season was the Oilers' number one defenseman. He's the guy that's in the top pairing on that left side. Well, now that's Darnell Nurse's spot. And even if Oscar Clapham comes back, that's still Darnell Nurse's spot. And now you're putting Oscar Clapham in a nice spot. You're bumping him down in the rotation, and you're having him going not against the best of the opposition, but their next line. And I, I feel like that will help Oscar Clapham in a big way because he's not going to have to see him just, you know, Austin Matthews coming at him or um, Nathan McKinnon coming at him. That's going to be Darnell Nurse's job. And he's going to get a little bit of an easier opponent that if there are some sort of you know, repercussions or things that he's dealing with from that injury, I think he'll be fine coming back from that because he's not going to see the number one. question is, can he come back and be the guy still on the point for the first unit power play? Should there not be uh, Tyson Berry, or would that be Evan Bouchard immediately that will go there? That's something we could talk about, you know, around September. Um, but I think just because of Darnell Nurse's emergence, even if Oscar Kleckbaum is only like 80%, 85% of the player he once was, I think that works well because he's going to be a second-pairing defenseman on this team in my mind.
0: Matty, uh, Oilers set to take on the Winnipeg Jets in the first round of the playoffs. Game 1 gets going on Wednesday, 7 o'clock start. Uh, then you got a game on Friday, the following Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, if necessary. Uh, what do you think of this series for the Oilers uh, against the Jets, and, and how do you think they match up?
2: Well, how, how I think they match up is I'm going to be a guy that looks at the regular season. You know, last year going into the playoffs, I've mentioned this on the station. Um, I threw away the regular season. You know, some people were concerned about the Blackhawks because they'd be won the season series at that time against the Edmonton Oilers, and I threw that away. Going, It's been long the Oilers are a better hockey team. Um, you know, the Blackhawks sold off at the deadline. And we saw what the Blackhawks did. You know, they, they found a way to beat the Oilers like they did in the regular season. They matched up well against that team. So I am going to put some stock into the regular season and, and also a year when you're seeing the teams, you know, the Jets and the Oilers saw each other nine times. That's not a small sample size. That's. That's a large amount of games, so you look at those nine games and you see the Oilers went 7-2. and two. You see that outside of Ottawa, the best team that the Oilers did well against, at least in the duo of McDavid and Dreissel, was against this Jets team and was against Connor Hellebuck, that I really like this matchup for the Edmonton Oilers. I like it better than the Montreal Canadiens. Had it been the Canadiens... You know, that's one I could potentially see an Oilers upset where they have maybe knock off the Oilers just because they know how to seemingly know how to contain McDavid and Settle pretty well. Um, and they did well against the Oilers in the regular season, whereas the Jets weren't able to do that as much. And uh, you're going to have some concerns with the guys coming back from injuries from the Jets and how healthy are they, how up to speed are they. And the Oilers come out with the best player in the world and the second best player in the series. Um, and again, they were able to find a way to beat Connor Ellis Buck during the regular season quite a bit. That um I don't think it's going to be a short series. I don't think this is a sweep by any means for the Edmonton Oilers. But I really like their matchup, and I, I think the Oilers should advance through this round past the Jets because, you know, again, through nine games, not a small sample size, the Oilers found a way to do it a lot against
0: that team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they know how to win against the Jets, and I think you know an enticing thing about that second round. I feel like the Canadians and the Maple Leafs are just going to be beating up on each other. Like, I think that the, the Maple Leafs know their key to success and it's from the, uh, the physicality of that defensive group. Mm-hmm. So for the Leafs superstars, it's going to be a tough one. I think the Oilers Jets will be fun. I look at McDavid and Drysidal. They're so good this regular season. And, uh, you know, until they have that playoff success, there's going to be those people who, you know, going to bring it up. That's just the way sports works. You have to be at your best with the biggest games on the line. That's mm-hmm. how it always has been. One guy who did it better than anyone, in my opinion, was Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant, and he, he had that, that killer's instinct, I should say. When the game was on the line, he wanted it. He was gonna be locked in and carry the team if he had to. Do you think McDavid and Drysell can develop that and just, you know, will this team to victory? Because they've been so good in the regular season, I mean, it's gonna to be tough in the playoffs, but they've got the skill, now can they just, can they add that element to their game?
2: That's a really good question. I think that's the big question for all Oilers fans right now, and I wish I had a good answer for that. But, you know, when we look at the, the play-in last year, they weren't able to do that. Now, we can maybe look at a little bit of goaltending. Team defense wasn't as strong in that one. The defense is a lot better for the Oilers this year. Not even just team defense, but overall their six defenders are a lot better. They're getting way better goaltending this year than last year, and I actually liked their goaltending through the regular season last year, and that's always going to help. Um But I think... You know, when McDavid has that race for 100 points this year and he does it in 53 games and then, then Dry settle, you know, the second best in all of hockey, and his pace I think this year is around 120 points if it was over 82, which is just slightly worse than last year, which was like 127 points or something. I, I, they have that killer instinct in the regular season that, yeah, can they do it come playoff time? Um, we'll find out, but to me it's... it's it's going to be interesting. Again, I think they'll get past the Jets. I think they'll get through there. It'll be, can they do it against the Leafs if the Leafs get through the halves? Because the Leafs held the Oilers' number this year. Um, but really, yeah, I, I wish I had a solid answer whether they could or couldn't. Uh, there's only two people that can answer that, and that's with their performance, and that's McDavid and Dreisaitl. I think based on what we've seen over the regular season, they absolutely have it in them to be those those killers on the ice. Uh, it's just a question, will they finally go do that and carry this team a little far? Uh, obviously, it's not basketball so that you can't just rely on your superstars to carry to an NHL title um, but can they carry this team to a conference final that's the big you know question everyone's going to have and that's the thing I think we're all going to be watching when they want to start their playoff run on Wednesday
0: yeah and I mean honestly I, those two guys like you say they could have it and you know is the bottom six going to let you down even in the yeah. game last Saturday when McDavid got to 100 points it was like They'll go out there, they'll get the points, but then the bottom six was kind of letting them down against a, you know, let's be honest, not not exactly a, a loaded Vancouver Canucks team. So I think that's going to be something to watch for this playoff series. Do you have a prediction, Oilers in blank?
2: Well, yeah, you're right. I've already said Oilers. Um, I haven't really done the prediction as of yet. I've been thinking like, as I said, it's not going to be a sweep, but I don't think this is going to be a seven game series. So it's it's five or six for me and. The Jets are a good hockey team. They'll, they'll find a way to get a win at least. I don't know if they'll find two. So I'll be bullish on the Edmonton Oilers and say, you know, they were 7-2 in the regular season. I'll say that they find a way to finish this one off in five.
0: It's a pretty bold prediction, Maddie. Yeah. Well, six
2: is too safe. <laughs> you know, any series, any time you're doing any sort of playoff prediction, it's always just safe to say six games. And so, no, I, I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to put my money, or well, I don't have any money going on this, but I'm going to put my prediction in the hands of Leon Drysdale and Connor McDavid. I think those are two guys I'm pretty comfortable with uh, riding alongside, uh, saying they'll they'll do it, they'll do it. And like, because even look, look, they have one bad game or something. you, you know, They're not going to be great every game. They're not going to be contained for an entire series against this Jets team. It's not going to happen. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll trust those two to find a way to get it done in five.
0: I love it, Maddie. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and we'll have to get you on later on down the road here. Maybe the Oilers go a couple rounds in the playoffs, and uh, we can do it again in the month of June. Anytime you need me, you know how to reach me. Great stuff from Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260 in Edmonton, one half of the Dave Jameson Show, which you can hear Monday through Friday. Noon until 2, you can also give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Matthew Awanek, and that is going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast, another edition in the books. Oilers back in action on Saturday. one thirty puck drop taking on the Vancouver Canucks. Pre-game coverage on TSN 1260 with Tom Gozola and myself gets going at noon. If you feel inclined to tune in and see what happens, we'll see if Connor McDavid and Leon Dryside will get out there for the season finale. And then it's playoff time. The Edmonton Oilers kicking off a best-of-seven series with the Winnipeg Jets. Wednesday down at the ice district should be a fun one. I cannot wait for the playoffs to get going on the next edition of the show. We will talk to the voice of the Edmonton Oilers on 6:30. 30. Cam moon will be dropping by and we'll go out to Winnipeg and uh, get a little preview of the Jets Oilers series from their perspective. All that on the Tuesday edition of the other Connor podcast. Thank you guys once again, so much for tuning in to the show today. Big thanks to Matt O'Connor and Derek Van Deest as well as well as our sponsor, the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.